0: I'm Hello, skillets, and welcome to a brand new episode of Cast Iron—the show all about rock and metal. And today, uh, we're going to push Lewis and my friendship to breaking point because <laughs> we're covering uh, an album that's been uh, on the on the backlog for a while. Uh, today, we're covering Dream Theater's *Metropolis Part Two: Scenes from a Memory*.
1: Save me,
0: how are you
2: very well buddy um, had a lovely week away last week quite uh, up with some friends and yeah got managed to get some time on the on the coach up to, to listen to some to metal and uh, some recent discoveries so that was really good fun so yeah it'd, it'd be nice so
0: what's on the recent um, what's on the recent discoveries
2: um, well uh, I think I showed you in, you know, a little chat, but, um, I discovered a, uh, copy of The Way of All Flesh by Kajira in a charity shop. And yeah. It's been yeah. on constant rotation recently. Really, really enjoying that. Um, so that was, yeah, a nice sort of thing. And, and, yeah, I, I, I agree in what you were saying last time in that, like, if we would have covered that, then we would have just been like, this is great, this is great, this is great, this is great. Um, whereas, at least with, from Master Sirius, it was kind of nice to get the sort of, like, preamble of to, where that sound sort of came from and how it was evolving at the time sort of thing. So yeah, that was really nice. And the other thing is um I've been listening to The Hive's quite a lot recently. <laughs> I okay. uh, got Tyrannosaurus Hive's from a charity shop as well and um very much enjoyed that. That's that's the album with See Through Head on it, which is an absolute banger.
0: Um Sad got um hit to say I told you so.
2: No, no, that's um Veni Vidi Vicious, I think. Um that, okay. That okay. But um Yeah, they're going to be supporting The Offspring in November, so I'm going to be seeing them live, and apparently The Hives are fantastic live, so I'm very much excited to finally properly see them. So um, yeah, just exploring more of their back catalogue as well, because um, they're a band I've always kind of liked, but never really properly delved into, Um, so it was nice to find one of their records. Yeah,
0: like... I, I must admit, I've only listened to you know, two Hive's tracks, one of which is probably yet to say I told you so, but it was perfectly, perfectly listenable. Mm. Um, we, we saw The Offspring live oh, a couple of years ago now, the, the yeah, pre-plague yeah. times. And uh, yeah, there's something really interesting about, you know, guys in their 50s um, pop <laughs> singing all these songs about yeah, 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 it's that it that is 20-year-old life. It, um, and yeah. it's, look, it's weird when bad religion do it as well. Yeah. And there's definitely a tongue-in-cheekness to it. Mm. Um, the, the offspring, didn't they? did they recently fire their drummer because he refuses to get a COVID vaccine? Yes,
2: they he did. Yeah, yeah. And um, they they actually so they normally record with a different drummer when they write records. They record with a guy called Josh Fries, who is like almost you know drum like session musician to the stars. Essentially, he's on everything. Um, but yeah, like they had to play a show last minute, and um, uh, Pete Parada was like, you know unavailable because he was anti-vax. Um I don't know if he's anti-vax. I think there was from what I can gather I think it's um he's got some sort of medical condition that means he can't get vaccinated at the moment which meant they just sort of like gave him the boot. Um but yeah they just flew in Josh Freese like because <laughs> um if I remember correctly I think Dexter Holland is an actual, you know, licensed pilot. So uh, yeah, he went and picked him up and <laughs> flew Dexter him across Holland's and then played a, a show and flew pilot. him back the next day. So yeah. Doesn't Dexter Holland
0: also have like a PhD and yeah, sort of like, yeah? Doesn't he? Doesn't he actually have like a working knowledge of vaccines? And I like,
2: think so. Yeah, which is probably why he was a bit like, right, well, you know, this is serious. You know, sort it out. <laughs>
0: um, hey, well, look, you know, yeah, you know, you've you you you've been vaccinated. I'm in Australia, so my first one's booked in for mid September. But um, yep. if you can't get it. If he, if you he, he can't get it for medical reasons, that's fair enough. And, that, yeah, and that's yeah. why it's so important for everyone else to get it. I'm not yeah, going to do yeah, a absolutely. get vaccinated thing. But uh,
2: but yeah, if you're a touring musician, they're just not going to let you play, are they? So you are not going to let you in the country yeah. without any vaccinations.
0: So, yeah. fair, fair enough, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I um, so I had an interesting day where loads of new music, has all just come out in the past week or two. Yeah, I know. You just um, sent
2: me a new Velocor track, which I had a little listen to this morning.
0: Oh, my God. So... Um, so I had a, one of those days in work where I had a lot of deep work to do. I was editing about I think it was about four and a half thousand words of speaking notes for this big <laughs> um, for a big corporate plan launch event we're doing yep. next week. So for me, it was you know headphones on. Let's get let's get metallic. Mm. And um, so the new Bellicor track came out it's called Hidden Window. Yep. It is uh, it's a Bellacore song. Yeah, so it's yeah, phenomenal. It's, it's fantastic. Um, the new Leprous album dropped today. Okay. Oh, cool. And today being the 27th of august it's called AppHelion, which yep. is like um it's it's the same sort of thing as apogee so it's like the furthest this point away that uh a, a planet is from the sun in its orbit it's um not a
2: not so game software like... house not apogee software no 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 no, no that's that, that, not apogee software <laughs> and the,
0: and publishers no um the so the new letter i wasn't a big fan of pitfalls their l- l- previous one mm-hmm. but i pretty much Love everything else Leprous have ever done. Yeah. And I've listened to Apelleon once, and I kind of blew my mind. I think it's a real return to form. Oh, I love They're it. definitely, it's not, there's certainly not a metal band anymore, but I think what they're doing with prog rock is really interesting yeah, and unique, yeah. and um, it's a, re- so I was very impressed by the first listen of that. Oh, good. And the Tesseract Live album, Portals, also came out today.
2: It did, yes. Um, I, had, and, I didn't get a chance to catch that, yeah.
0: Uh, okay, so I've listened to it once as well, and it's interesting because it's kind of live kind of not because mm. it's it was a live gig they did that I think we probably would have watched if we'd known it was on actually
1: yeah, but, yeah. So there's it was no the, it was there's no audience show.
0: interaction yeah. and it's it's played quite straight yeah um, um I I've really enjoyed it um, I like hearing Dan's take on some of the ash tracks because we've talked before and oh, yeah, how, yeah. I really like I really like altered state so mm. it's interesting to hear Dan covering those vocals Yeah. Does a superb job. Yep. Although I did find the production like it sounds a bit weird with the drums. They're a little bit like I don't know, it's a bit clicky and irritating. But that was it. Very. But apart from that, it was fine. It does feel a little bit, a little bit superfluous because it's played quite straight and they're not doing anything new with the songs. But yeah. it's, you know, it's really, it's really enjoyable as an introduction to the band, especially. Mm. um The other album that dropped in the past couple of weeks is. Um, the one I'd sort of previously flagged as being an album of the year contender for me, which was um, um, Act of Denial with a negative. Okay. And Act of Denial is um, uh, Steve DiGiorgio from um, like Testament and Death fame. Oh, of course, um, yeah. Crim from Septic Flesh, uh, Bjorn Strade on the vocals. Mm-hmm. And it's um, just as good as all the singles. It is indeed an album of the year contender. It's it's amazing. Hey, it's um, stuff. it's it's essentially like if you, if you like soil work, you're going to soil... Your pants listen to this. It. So <laughs> it's it's very it's very much in the vein of you know soil work, scar symmetry, got tiny more synth synth-y bits. Yep. Um but it's played quite straight, Gothenburg style melodic death metal. Um uh so no surprises that I absolutely loved it. I've <laughs> pretty much had that on loop.
2: Good stuff. Um uh, but uh
0: yeah, I've just had so much new music drop on the first day. I know it's and, crazy, and, um, isn't it? I'm really looking forward to the new Bellicor album later in the year because they're not just not just australia's finest band but um i think for my money they're they're probably the the most exciting metal band out there yeah yeah. and and they're not a particularly prolific group you know they because vessels was 2016 so it's been five years since it's really been that long yeah and and the production of this one was obviously impacted by the uh, melbourne lockdown last year so it's um so it's there's so much new music dropping right now yeah no totally. between the buried me album yeah no, i, yeah. I pre ordered a
2: couple of things recently i got um the new razor eater ep is coming out which is a grindcore core band from the uk which i really like uh and yesterday i pre-ordered the new oh, it's like four-way split album um two bands i really like on it called wallowing and slab dragger uh doom metal sort of like uh crossover <laughs> um but yeah Sl- slag is a good band name oh slab dragger fantastic um but unfortunately, yeah. they don't release music very frequently. So the fact that they're doing anything new is um, very exciting for me. So yeah,
0: well, slabs are slabs are heavy.
2: <laughs> if you're doom band, Slabdragger is probably the greatest to, to, name for a doom band.
0: <laughs> pretty much, but does but it does take a long time to to draw a slab to drive a slab
2: <laughs> hey. to, to drag a slab.
0: So um, one band that released a new single recently Mm. and uh, has a new album coming out, is Dream Theater. Yeah. And um, and that's what we're talking about today. Now, what what I did with this was I thought, I really want to cover Metropolis Part 2. I didn't want to go, let's just do images and words. Um, Let's do something we can really sink our teeth into. Okay. But I also thought I wouldn't, I wouldn't give you a copy of this album and go right. Where well, you go, let's have fun. Yeah. And I felt like it needed a little bit of context, and so for that reason, it made you a little bit of a, a mixtape. I would, did, have, I would did. have totally done a an actual tape if I could have, because I know you like your cassettes. <laughs> um, but instead, uh, we went for a little sort of mix YouTube playlist. That's it. Yeah. Now, one thing I didn't know you were going to do is you've actually made notes in these, so it was kind of meant to be a bit of a auditory amuse bush yeah yeah. Um, you've yeah. gone quite deep on it so i don't know how much time we want to spend on it but you know we, no, we we'll, can talk we'll, through. we'll fire so, through my
2: notes quickly and i'll let you know what i thought and all right. sort of now
0: the, the the context of this is this wasn't me picking the best dream theater songs ever this is me doing a bit of a like i said a, bit of a representative sample of yeah, what could, the band's like I and i kind of tailored it towards probably some of the heavier tracks that they have done yeah. deliberately mm-hmm. um rather than, like, Dream Theater have a lot of ballads. Dream Theater have a 12-step suite about Mike Portnoy's journey through Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. yeah. They, they have a very, very wide-ranging, deep, and eclectic discography. Yeah. Um, so this is in no way a representative sample. Go listen to all of it. Come back to me in a couple of weeks. <laughs> um. So, first track I did for you in the mixtape was uh, Pull Me Under, which okay. is from uh, Images and Words, which is their, I think it's their second album. Mm-hmm. And, and it's pretty much their breakthrough album it's the first one with james LeBrie on the vocals so what did you think of that then
2: okay so my comments on this are that the production was a little thin i thought the bass was quite lacking um but the songwriting was absolutely fine um i didn't feel like it didn't feel like eight minutes so it definitely sort of like you know i i pushed through it quite nicely it, it was a it was a nice breezy thing considering how long it was but it did sound very 90s um, a little dated in yeah. the production quality, so um, yeah, that was my main impressions of that one.
0: I think that's, I think that's really, I think that's really fair. And yeah. um, and look, the thing about images and words is, although it's an early '90s album, sometimes I think the production is even a little bit late '80s, mm. and it definitely does have that thinness to it, which yeah. could benefit from a remaster. The really weird thing about Pull Me Under is it ends mid bar.
2: Oh right, yeah, yeah.
0: Did you notice that it kind of cut off randomly? And you're like, no, what? "Not
2: particularly," but then it's progressive okay. music, so I was expecting weird shit.
0: <laughs> and this just this just cuts off with no warning, and it's hmm. apparently deliberate. But it's a bit weird. Yeah. So next up, we went straight into because I had to do at least one dream theater ballad. Okay, like I had to yeah. do a power ballad. You couldn't escape them, so we did um, another day, which is the. Next track off Images and Words.
2: Okay. Um, so I really like the lead guitar melody on this one. Um, and I think the piano yeah. was a better fit for Dream Theater than the cheesy sort of synthesizer noises that they use. Um, yeah, yeah. So still very 90s sounding, and especially with the wood, wood, woodwind stuff on it, um, the fake strings. but the, Saxophone. Yeah, yeah, a, yeah, absolutely. I think, it's a, um,
0: I think it's, it must be a soprano sax. There's yeah, a little yeah. uh, solo on it. Yeah. But
2: the thing that I really noted about it and what it reminded me of that, I enjoyed was that it was very him so um yeah i okay. very much enjoyed <laughs> this one
0: so yeah that's, in- that's interesting um one of the things about this one is that you've probably noticed that james labree hits some extremely high notes he's got some range isn't he? he's got some range but sometimes i think that especially on the especially in the early albums he's a l- almost a little bit out of his range mm. sounds a little bit out of his comfort zone yep, in the highest yep. notes and that but um it's uh, I mean it's a kind of a, a cheesy power ballad classic that one. Yeah, yeah. Um so then we went on to something completely different, which is the song that got me into Dream Theatre because mm-hmm. it's uh pretty pretty much the hardest track on Rock Band 2, and that is um, <laughs> Panic Attack. And Panic Attack is off the album Octavarium. Mm. Um uh and this is definitely I think it's probably among among the heaviest songs they've they've done. So that's kinda of as heavy as it gets. Mm. Um so what what about this?
2: Yeah, really enjoyed this one. Um, I loved the little bass line intro. Uh, really cool sort of bass lick. Um, a lot heavier than the previous tracks that we obviously covered. Uh, very groovy. Um, really enjoyed yep. the sort of movement of it. Uh, I think, again, the, the use of piano actually really heightens the sort of drama of, this, of the song. Um, but yeah, it never loses its momentum. It's quite a fast track considering the length as well. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, the thing that really sort of stood out was the solos around the five minute mark are oh fantastic stuff there yeah really enjoyed that I need to familiarize myself hold on give me two minutes uh, here we go oh yeah
0: yeah <laughs> it's got the it's got the big <laughs> oh the, yeah they the, I remember it now the synth solo yeah. and um and it's got the it's got the really long dueling um guitar and synth back and forth yeah they love to do that
2: keyboard yeah they really they really do
0: they really do and sometimes I find it hard to tell Mm. which bits wait because it it blends in and out but it's also got a classic John Pertucci shreddy noodly
2: solo yeah I'm guessing Um, they run the keyboard through some sort of like overdrive effect or something because yeah it gets a bit uh, sort of
0: yeah yeah. I'm not sure I know Jordan Redess has a lot of weird effects and he has mm. about three three or four keyboards going and he also has an app that he's developed Oh right. um, okay. for like for it's like uh it's kind of like almost like a slide ipad keyboard Interesting. That he's developed that he that he actually uses in their new albums as well oh cool um next up we've got a, a really unconventional one from their most recent release at the time of recording mm. distance over time uh, this is stn mm. which is uh signal to noise and i threw this one in to give you an idea of um the more straight up prog rock homage tracks they do. Mm.
2: I also really enjoyed this one. It comes with an it starts with another sort of groovy bass guitar intro, which I really liked. Uh, the first verse, the riff in that is really good. Uh again, nice bouncy sort of groove to a lot of the song. It was really good. Um and even when the instrumentation strips back, the drumming on this one is just all oh, phenomenal stuff, really, really cool proper insane performance there i really enjoyed that um and again their proper face melting solo around three minutes um really really good stuff uh yeah oh it's just just great uh, it's
0: it's very rush yeah it's very rush that track Mm. um and and we'll talk a bit about the the prog influences in this but um, i just think it's one of the one of the most fun tracks i've done recently and the the bass sound just so thick and like springy almost it's uh yeah uh, yeah it's, uh, it's a, it's it's a, it's a great one. But no, I thought I really I thought you'd enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. that. That's where distance over time. Um, it's a, little, it's a little bit more. It's not quite as overwrought as some of the Dream Theater stuff has got. Okay, and you certainly see that near the end of the Portnoy era, like the um, the Black Clouds album and stuff. It's quite long and it I think it's a track it's 20 minutes long about some guy who might be a vampire in Tuscany on that album you know, it's, <laughs> wow okay there's a, yeah and there's like a 16 minute track about a, a car accident it's actually quite oh, okay. good but um, it's it's just a bit too much. And I feel yeah. like a single with um, Distance Over Time, they've kind of paired it back a, a little bit. Like there's still nine minute tracks on it, it's Dream oh, yeah, it. but yeah, yeah. it's. Um, I feel like it's a bit more at the, the essence of the band. There's a bit more vitality to it than they've had in, in past records. Mm. So next up, um, you couldn't escape a Dream Theater instrumental. And so we went for the delightfully named Erotomania, which mm-hmm. is off Awake.
2: Um, so yeah, I I think the, I said the dated production and the goofy keyboard sound kind of spoil this one. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it all sounds a little too thin. Um, I prefer the beefier, groovier sound on the last two tracks. Um, it gets a bit cheesier and also quite fun around the three-minute marks, and it reminded me a little bit more of Another Day. Um, yeah. But then there's a really great solo around five minutes. Um, yeah, in- entirely instrumental. This one, um, it was fine. Like uh, there was there was bits and pieces I liked out of it, but I do find the sort of goofy keyboard noises that sometimes he uses a little bit like silly and then over the top yeah I...
0: so this is a different that's actually a different keyboard player to the oh, one okay. on the album we're going to talk um so images and words and awake i can't even remember the keyboardist it might be like derek derek someone okay pick it up um but um it's not a, jordan is only on um the the albums from metropolis onwards oh okay um so next up we've got another really heavy track yep off that train of thought, which is probably their heaviest album overall. Um, So we did uh, This Dying Soul, which is also, I wasn't sure if your soul would be dying, but at this point, you seem to have enjoyed it. (laughs) That's good. No, I I very much enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, no, I really like this song. Um, Big double bass drummed intro, uh, a lot more bass in the mix. Um, Straight away, an outstanding solo at like 50 seconds, or just like, oh, it really grips you. (laughs) It's It's quite
0: amazing that it opens with the solo.
2: Um, Um, I really like the sort of, Groovy, sludgy, breakdowny bit around six minutes as well. I think that's really fun. Um, another great solo around 10 minutes. Excellent drum fills on this one as well. Um, yeah, it's a really good song. And again, I noted that it didn't really feel like 11 minutes, to be honest with you. It did so much in its time that it just flew on by. Really enjoyed that one.
0: We'll talk a little bit about... Um... You know, the way this album, where we haven't even got to discussing yet, Classic Dream Theater, that it um. that it packs a lot in, and um and, and how we can compare and contrast that to the Gajira album. It's rare that we can actually do follow up. Um, yeah. they yeah, this Dying Soul, the the last minute is just pure chaos, <laughs> and it's got the the amazing like drum syncopation so the guitar is kind of shredding along and it seems like he's just soloing but then you can hear that the drums are actually emphasizing the solo it's going to
2: go yeah, yeah.
0: it's uh, really quite good and then last up because we had to because it leads directly into this album uh, we did another track off Images and Words which is uh, Metropolis Part 1 The Miracle and The Sleeper
2: Mm. now I've got the most notes for this one um, because it's quite an intense very you know packs an awful lot in in this song yeah um yeah. i like the big bombastic intro riff i think that's really fun uh, again the thin sort of 90, 90s production kind of betrays the music a little bit um but that's not to say that the writing and the instrumentation isn't great it's just it sounds a little you know lacking um lots of really fast snare fills on this one and i find those a little bit annoying the sort of pfft, pfft. yeah i, I just uh, it's yeah they really overuse that um, it's a little bit too sharp and a little bit reverby all around um, the, the drums on this. Um, that weird video game keyboard bit at 420 really yeah. made me laugh. <laughs> Sega Casio keyboards. <laughs> yeah. Um, drums get heavier around 445, and there's a great little solo as well, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, could have done with a little bit more of that sort of you know drum pattern. Yeah. Um, 5.40, really like the fast bass riff that comes in. That's a really fun little addition. Yes, it's like a um, bass solo. It, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a keyboard solo around six minutes, and it's impressive, but the choice of sound is just so silly. <laughs> this, it sounds bad. like Mortal Kombat or something at 6.20 as well. Like <laughs> It gets very daft. Um, the sheer amount of solos in the back half of that song is quite... Like, astounding. (laughs) It is just solo madness for a while. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of like my main takeaway points with that i came away kind of thinking that dream theater are are quite a silly band (laughs) Um, and wondering if i was in for a hard time now i had to listen to an entire album that was a sequel to the song i just heard (laughs) so um so
0: like i I, i've actually written in my notes that dream theater do indeed have a sense of humor Mm. and metropolis part one the name of that song is a joke Right. Um, there wasn't intended to be Metropolis Part Two, yeah. and then eventually people kept asking where the sequel was. They're like, "Yeah, this is the whole <laughs> album." Loosely based on the song that we had no intention of sequelizing, and I think, I think that um, the way they do stuff is they kind of it's kind of silly stuff, but a fairly straight delivery at times, mm, yeah, yeah, and and uh, that's. That you find that with a lot of you know, prog rock bands is sometimes they, they can be a little bit too straight-laced yeah. and if you want to go to the goofy side you have know, get like the Devon Townsend Ziltoid stuff, right? Of course, but yeah, yeah. This is meant to be cheesy and funny. It's kind of silly ideas delivered with sincerity. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I just, kind of it like that as of, like a concept yeah. to be
2: honest with you. It's like, I, I, I want people, if you're going to make music and you're going to produce records and things like that, I feel like I want the best of anybody right i want it's this i want the sincerity i want an actual like right look you know we were trying to make the best thing that we could at any given point um i don't care if it's comedic or straight-laced or whatever i want you know to be i want it delivered at least with some sincerity and it and drink theatre absolutely have that in spades you know regardless of whether or not the songs sound a bit daft in in places um they are at least doing that with you know full intensity and <laughs> going for it as best as they can um but yeah I like you can tell that there is some semblance of like humor to the way that they structure things just because it's like well nobody w- would have settled on that keyboard sound out of like <laughs> oh yeah this is the best sounding keyboard sound It was like no it sounds silly it's fun right let's let's put that in but also if you're going to use that then Go for it, you know. Like, and I think that's why it's cool that like he solos with all these different effects and stuff at different in different points in the songs. I think it's really fun. So yeah, no, um, I was certainly you know given the primer before we we jumped into Metropolis Part Two, but uh, yeah, it's um, it's quite the thing. This record.
0: So how did you how did you feel at the end of the 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 mixed tape? Did You feel like
2: you know, this is this is
0: going to be interesting, or or G-wise I had a feeling
2: more? that I was. I was probably going to prefer later Dream Dream Theater, sort of 2000s era onwards, because the production was going to be more to my liking, it was going to be groovier, it was going to be sort of more bassy, and I was a little bit worried when I saw The Metropolis Part 2, it's not, <laughs> it's from the 90s, <laughs> so I was a little bit yeah, like, thanks. ah, okay, well, it's am from I in from for an album? Yeah. Um, Look, I
0: think I think you're totally right in the production, and I don't want to harp on about the earlier albums because we need to yeah. get to the, the the meat of it eventually. But mm. definitely, like images and words and and awake, do have that thinner production. Yeah, and it, and I think like I, I think images and words is kind of a. A, pro- a prog metal classic album, but mm. the production is definitely one of the weaker points. Yeah. Now, but before I get um, hit mail, uh, Kevin Moore is the keyboardist. Okay. On, uh, he left during the recording of Awake, um, okay. but he did um, write some of the songs for it. So he's the keyboardist in the Images and Words. Okay. Then they did a couple of albums with uh, Derek Sharinian.
2: Okay.
0: Presumably that's how you pronounce it. Um, after that, the... Um, Set up this prog metal supergroup called yep. the Liquid Tension Experiment, um, and that is Mike Portnoy from Dream Theater, John Petrucci on the guitars, and the keyboardist Jordan Rudess. Hmm. Then um, they um, got Jordan Rudess to join theater and replace Derek Sherinian. And the first album that he played on was Metropolis Part Two: Scenes from Memory. So this is the first album with the what I would sort of call the the classic the classic lineup, yeah, if yeah. you like.
2: And I um, suppose one of the, other, the only f- other things that I really know about Dream Theater um, was uh, Mike Portnoy left in sort of 2009, didn't he? Yeah, he um, did. He left after... And, and that Black was Black like a Line. big deal amongst metal. It seemed like at the yeah. time that was like, okay, well, Dream Theater is kind of done, right? If Mike Portnoy has gone. <laughs>
0: yeah, and the, uh, I was one of those people. Um, yeah. So the,
2: so the classic lineup
0: is you've got uh, Mike Portnoy, the, yep. the drummer, um, you've got John Mian He's the bassist. You've Mm -hmm. got John Pertucci. He is the uh, guitarist. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they have also got James Labrie, who has done the vocals for the vast majority of their albums, except the first one. Um, And this is the first album with Jordan Rudess. And that is a lineup that they keep all the way from '99 to 2009 Mm -hmm. um, when when Portnoy leaves. And he was one of the founding members, Portnoy. So it was a big deal. And he left. Um, He was replaced by Mike Mangini. Mm -hmm. um, And he's been there ever since. And um, they... I guess the fan consensus on Mike Mangini ranges from uh, he's fine to he's really good as yeah. they have gradually integrated him into the band. Yep. Um, he's certainly very technically capable, but uh, I think in the the first album, the dramatic turn of events that he appears on, the drums are perfectly serviceable, but they don't have the level of you know, imagination that you'd expect from a, a Dream Theater album. Yeah, yeah, So Dream Theater are a prog metal band Mm -hmm. and that means they're basically heavier prog rock yeah so the influences in this album are yes other metal bands Mm -hmm. um but there's also other prog rock bands and in some ways metropolis part two is very much a a prog rock tribute album tour de force yeah yeah. um and um, as we said yeah it's sort of a a sequel that was never intended to be um Mm -hmm. and the concept of it so it's it scenes from a memory and the idea is that um there's a guy called nicholas who is um sort of regressing into a past life through yep. hypnotherapy and he learns about this um, tragic turn of events um and um it's all going to get a bit weird so <laughs> weird in fact that i have had to go to genius.com uh the unofficial <laughs> sponsor of this podcast i probably paying them um to figure out what is actually going on and we can talk a little bit about the i think we'll talk about the the story and and whether it is worth it and and how they could have possibly done it better uh near the end of the episode okay so let's get into it yep oh, so
2: we just done a big
3: big stretch big so i've stretch.
2: made notes so i've made notes for each track but to do that is kind of betraying the album somewhat. <laughs> it's not supposed yeah. to be taken as songs, I don't think. It's very much a story, like you say, it's a singular piece with lots of movements, and that is, you know, evidenced in the titles of the songs as well, because even though they have song titles, they all start with, like, scene one, scene two, you know? <laughs> yes. Um, so, so yeah.
0: um what, maybe what we should do is we can just cut in the entire regression track and people can go into the hypnotherapy experience. <laughs> so the first track is regression. Yep. Close your eyes and begin to
3: relax. Take a deep breath and let it out slowly. Concentrate on your breathing. With each breath, you become more relaxed. Imagine a brilliant white light above you. Focus in on this light as it flows through your body. Allow yourself to drift off as you fall deeper and deeper into a more relaxed state of mind. Now, as I count back from 10 to 1, you will feel more peaceful and calm.
0: And that is just a spoken word introduction where Nicholas goes to the hypnotherapist and he hypnotizes him down. Mm -hmm. And um, then he goes into a hypnotic trance and he begins to see a girl named Victoria. And he begins to have these weird feelings of a life that is strangely familiar to him. Mm -hmm. Let me go into the first Track, well, the first real track, I guess. Yep. Which is um, Overture 1928. <laughs>
2: Okay, So yeah, um, so instantly I was like, okay, the production is still a little thin, but the snare isn't so harsh and reverby as we've had on some of the older 90s stuff. Um, keyboards are still a little cheesy, <laughs> yep, but um, yep. there's some great solos around 150 that I really liked, uh, and this track um, is entirely instrumental as well, so that was kind of your first impressions initially. So I was like, okay... I'm probably going to be okay with this one. It's not quite as 90s as I was expecting, Um, but Uh. it's still a little thin. I would have, again, I would have preferred a little more bass. Um, in yep, in the mix, yep. personally, but um, I it, it by no means betrays the music and the actual songwriting. Um, it's uh, it's it's very much just a personal preference. And I know we've been through this before, even in our first episode. That was one of my um, major complaints about Iron Maiden was, was that the production. their production is yeah. very thin and you know lacks a lot of bass. Um, yeah,
0: like I uh, yeah. wouldn't necessarily disagree with you. I think the production here is way better than the um, than the early '90s stuff. Yeah, for sure. agreed, agreed. Um, yeah. But um, so, an overture is, is traditionally an instrumental introduction to like a ballet or an opera. Yep. And it's essentially a condensed version of all the major musical themes. And a really good example is the, the William Tell overture, mm-hmm, uh, which is. The, yep. So, that's. We've all heard that. You've definitely heard that. Um, you've heard it better than I just did it. And um, another one would be like, I used to play the overture to um, Bernstein's opera Candide in the high school wind band on the saxophone. Okay. So, wow. that's kind of ingrained in my memory. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not. It, an overture is not something you hear. A lot of in rock or metal, but this yeah. is a specific introduction to all of the songs and the main riffs. And I think it's a bucket of fun. It's pretty much all my favorite bits in a format. <laughs> track.
2: Um, it was fine. I didn't. I didn't like outright go. That was great, or that was bad, or whatever. It was like it was very much just a case of like, okay, I'm soaking in, you know, an instrumental here and just trying to yeah. pick apart like what I'm going to be hearing and things like that for the record.
0: And that's why it's it's not as coherent as. Um, Some of their other instrumentals because it's meant to be a taster of what you're gonna hear. That's Mm -hmm. what what makes it an overture. And and as you said, this is you know a a complete piece of work. It's not necessarily an album you can just um, break down track by track. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, So that's the so that's the context of it. So Mm -hmm. if you're listening at home, you think that was a bit weird. Well. Yeah, there's, there's plenty more weird bits to come, but that's that's the context for it. It's yeah, not meant yeah. to be. It's not meant to be something you, you put on your running playlist. You know, oh, it's going to be fun picking um,
2: clips for this episode because everything is going to sound so dramatically different to each other. I,
0: I have had mercy in you, and I have made copious timestamp notes. Okay. Um, so hopefully you can plug some of it in. Oh, that'd
2: be lovely. Thank you very <laughs> okay. much. I very appreciate that.
0: <laughs> so, so let's get uh, th- thinking about you. Thinking about you. I'm determined. I'm determined for you to have as good a time as possible. Whether you <laughs> love the album or whether you merely tolerate it, but at least they, the notes were good. <laughs> um, all right. So then we have got the next. Probably the first. I don't know. Just said the first real track. This is the first real track. This yeah. is Strange déjà vu.
2: Yeah, so this is um sort of proper vocal sung song, I guess. Uh, vocals kick in, and there's a really nice chunky riff to accompany them on this one as well. I really like the melody that uh, you get around two minutes. I think that's nice and yep. dramatic. I think the piano piano accompaniment really elevates this song as well, it heightens the drama of the whole piece. Uh, you get a really good like bluesy groove around like two forty, which is kind of fun. I really enjoyed that. Um, and yeah, overall, I was I came away like, that was a good song. I, I very much enjoyed this one. Um, yeah, very much enjoyed it.
0: So this one, it's a pretty heavy intro track at first. We kind of get straight into it, and you get the da-da-da-da, da-da-da, da-da-da-da, da 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 And it's quite typical dream theatre. You've got a lot of technical, complicated drums and guitars and... Mm. I'm not sure what the time signatures are in this or whether it's I think this is just a 4-4 but there's a lot of weird shit that's going to go on in this the bass isn't too prominent in the mix most of the time and as Mm you would said we could do a bit more of it and John Mayan is kind of an underrated element of the band I always feel Um, and then you feel like as you say, you kind of feel like, ah oh, get the idea of this. It's t- it's a little bit of a narration. It's got a... <laughs> kind of riff. And then you get the chorus. You go, okay, I see where this is going. And then at two minutes, 38 on the yep. dot, it gets funky. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's <laughs> wicked. And I think it's probably one of my favorite Pertucci riffs. And what I really like about it is it kind of twists and evolves through the rest mm. of the song. It doesn't... It's not just that one riff over and over. It actually changes up a little bit. And then it yep. goes a bit higher up the neck and a bit lower, but it's... it's it's really really fun opener to the the album and i'm so glad you said you enjoyed it
2: <laughs> yeah 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 no I, honestly it was a if it was a really <laughs> great song I, I, I honestly can't fault it like i say my main complaint you think always keep it in the back of your mind that like i'm not too keen on the the lack of bass in the production but i can yeah. still appreciate the musicianship and the songwriting and yeah i, I definitely came away from strange HR arvue thinking that was a good song like there's you know like it, it it's not betrayed by its production by any means and i'm sure with you know a great hi-fi system and all your equalizer options you can you can add the bass that you want back into it right <laughs> Look, at, it sounds
0: pretty pretty beefy in my uh, headphones especially yeah, yeah, last yeah, night go. when I was so, uh, blocking the vacuum yeah. uh, vacuuming the prog metal is is my taste um, <laughs> I, I it, was, it was remiss of me to, to leave out the story because I meant to be narrating you through this so in this mm. strange deja vu Nicholas begins I'm reading the uh, thanks to G, G-Dog Centaur who's written this yep. um, Nicholas begins to see memories of a past life um, and in this past life his name is Victoria and he feels that he's had these memories before mm. and he tries to figure out why Victoria's memories keep haunting him he starts to think that there's some kind of reason why he sees his strange visions and um, so what happens with the choruses and stuff is that it's both the voice of Victoria in the past and the voice of Nicholas in the present echoing each other and that's what they're talking about he's talking about his he feels like he's going out of a, my head tears my soul into t- two I'm not the one I thought I always knew so there he's got go. this strange deja vu and he doesn't mind and he hopes to find the truth Yeah.
2: Um, what do you think of James Labrie's singing um I really like it. Um I think he hits he hits a comfortable range on this record which feels like it comes to him naturally. It doesn't feel like he's overexerting himself, but at the same time I think he's a very effective vocalist and I think there's an awful lot of drama to his like um his his vocals. I think he he elevates the sort of um, atmosphere and and the drama that they're trying to go through throughout the entire record. Um yeah, I I thought he was great to be honest with you. I I he, I didn't feel like there were particular vocal moments that were massively like outstanding. I was like, oh, you know, that really took me by, by surprise. But there were genuine vocal melodies that I, I pick up on various tracks throughout this song where I was just like, oh, this guy's effective. You know, like very very yep. solid vocal melody. And um, at, yeah, at no point did I feel like he was a bad vocalist by any means. I think he's a very he's a very very good singer. Uh,
0: I he is a very um, I wouldn't say controversial. Okay. But he's a very polarizing singer. Okay. Um, and uh, sometimes people really like his stuff and sometimes they really don't like his. One of the interesting things about James LeBrie is, this is me on Wikipedia, in 1994, he had a severe case of food poisoning and he ruptured his vocal cords.
2: Oh, okay.
0: Um, and he saw three throat specialists who said there was nothing they could do except have him rest his voice. And this was when he was touring to promote Awake. Oh, he wow. said he didn't feel vocally normal until about 2002. When wow. the drink theater recorded uh, six degrees of inner turbulence. Um, and he basically said, instead of hitting Ds and Es and F sharps, so I was able to hit C, C sharp, and D. I had to really watch it. I've hit Fs here and there. I have to really watch it. It's probably the darkest moment of my life. So he has wow. actually had, a, and it's interesting that he's not hitting those super high notes. Yeah. But I think because he's quite restrained in the vocal range, I think it suits him a lot better. Mm. And he does have a good... Sort of dramatic tenor style voicing. He's with very very clear enunciation. You know, yeah, right? you yeah, oh, definitely. The lyrics definitely. in metal, yeah. you can really hear this, and mm-hmm. it it's a perfect fit for the material. If you're going to have really narrative lyrics that are meaningful, yeah, yeah, it, it, it very much helps. There are sometimes like when he sings the last word, I "hope to find that." Sometimes he can sound a little bit like a rooster. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but on the whole, like I, I think he's a really really good vocalist. I think yeah, sometimes he's oh, got like, the yeah. goofy lyrics, but mm-hmm. that's not his fault.
2: It comes and, with the territory, I'm afraid. It's prog music, right? <laughs> uh,
0: look, like uh, if you if look if you think this is goofy, you know, they just released a new song called The Alien. Right. Um and the, this yeah, the, some of the some of the Dream Theater lyrics get really cringe worthy at times. <laughs> um so next up is Through My Words.
3: All your eyes have ever seen all you've ever heard is etched upon my memory spoken through my words. All that I take with me is all you've left behind. We're sharing one eternity
2: sort of a little sung interlude, isn't it?
0: Yeah, so this is um, this is just a, a little interlude bit, and the whole point of this is that he, now, Nicholas realises that he uh, was Victoria in a past life. Okay, Perfect. So he starts to understand as so he says, you know, all you've ever heard is etched upon my memory, spoken through my words, sharing one eternity, living in two minds, linked by an endless thread impossible to break. Now, you have to to get on with this album, you have to accept uh, the central um, conceit Okay. Which is that um, you know pe- people get reincarnated at the end of their lives and they're all connected and their souls kind of transfer from body yeah, to body and yeah. and and I believe that after we're gone the spirit carries on. So if you understand that, mm-hmm. that's what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So it's you know that that that's kind of the, the context in which all this happens. So. So that's through my words. It's really not a lot to say. It's kind of an intro to uh, the next track. I res- hope you hope you like weird power ballads, Lewis, because there's going to be a couple of them. <laughs> so, yeah, we move into
2: Fatal Tragedy then. continues with the sort of singing and the piano accompaniment from the previous track uh then the thirty five second mark we get the full instrumentation comes in um the music has a really sort of cool stompiness to it on this one um yeah. I really like the yeah stompy sort of Ramsteiny kind of groove to it, maybe not as overtly Ramstein, but you know what i mean it's it's got a nice marching quality to it um i wrote I wrote uh, chugging and driving yeah, yeah, definitely definitely. Um, we get some silly church organ-sounding keyboards around two minutes, which yeah. I had to make it note Yeah, over. we do. <laughs> uh, Double bass drumming starts around 2.30 and continues the sort of stompy nature of the song as well, which I really enjoyed. Uh, really good groove around four minutes. Um, and I found that the back half of this song was a lot heavier. Um, yes. Really great solo around five minutes. Again, I came away from this one feeling like, good song, really enjoyed that.
0: So this one... Um... Okay, so they, the, the, the narrator takes a pause. So, mm-hmm. fatal tragedy. Um, so, Nicholas wants to find out what's going on with these dreams. And, and when I sleep at night, I hear the cries. What does this mean? So, he wants to find out why Victoria has been haunting and what it's all about. So, so he, um, he then, uh, in one of his visions, he sees this house and he goes to find an old man. And the old man seems to be on his own. And he says, lad, did you know a girl who was murdered here? This fatal tragedy was talked about for years. Mm. And um, so he realizes that Victoria was was murdered in her own house, and it was this, this fatal, this fatal tragedy. I see. And, I see. Uh, and so as the night goes on, Nicholas tries to started to find a way, and he learned about a tragedy, a mystery still today. He tried to get more answers, but the man says, "You're on your own." Then he turned away and left me as I stood there all alone. Mm. And he said, "You'll know the truth as your future days unfold." So perhaps he too is some kind of reincarnation. Mm. So the intro to this is quite super tramp. And this is where I talk about there's a lot of prog rock and it's got that kind of syncopated piano bit. Yep, yep. And then, and you again, you kind of think, oh, I see where this is going. You know, I, I think I know where this is going, mm. but you actually don't. And after two minutes, it starts to get very different. You get organs and, and a very Queen-esque yeah, guitar yeah. noise. Kind Absolutely. Of I don't mm. know. I don't even know what the technical term is, but it sounds like Queen. Yeah. And then you get, as you say, the, the chugging driving section and the, the best sing-along bit for fans, which is uh, I try to get more answers, but he said you're on your own. Yeah. That's a, that's, a that's a good shardy one. Yeah. Um, and then around around four minutes, it's just it's just balls to the walls. You got these thunderous drums, loads of really snappy fills, you've got yeah, a big yeah. extended solo section you're shredding, the oh, guitars, the keyboards are playing off each other. And I particularly like there's a bit around four twenty. Is it when the keys have the lead and the guitars harmonizing? It's like a thick, choppy sound. Yeah, yeah. It's like a. It's just a very. Oh, it's just a really interesting sound. It's really good fun.
2: Yeah,
0: it, it's really good fun, and then you get a massive noodly guitar solo, and and I think the the breakdown at the end. Where it's the the kind of dandle and dandle Oh yeah, 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 that is amazing. And oh, I love yeah. how it, I love and what I really like is at the very end of it, it fades out and you just got that piano and you go... To yeah, 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 it's yeah. it's a really nice way to finish it. And then and then the hypnotist says, "Now it's time to see how you died. Remember, the death is not the end, but only a transition."
2: I missed that little bit of narration there because um, I, i I've I've, I've picked up specifically in the last track uh, well when we get to it I'll, I'll, I'll mention it but yeah it's um I because I was coming into this fresh and I didn't do any sort of like prior research or you know about the the, 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 the the story and the overall theme I was very much taking everything on face value I was very much listening to music and how it was working and how like the um, you know the songs were structured and things like that so as much as I enjoyed melodies and vocal performances and the drumming and you know these amazing solos and things like that i wasn't quite picking up on the plot you know i wasn't i wasn't taking that in unfortunately so i'm glad you're giving me that extra context because i think it's gonna help maybe in a re-listen to actually maybe appreciate a little bit more what they were trying to do because again i feel like the way i've listened to it for this podcast and uh, you know i'm taking track notes and yeah, i was yeah. you know taking breaks at points as well because it is a very long record it's not really the way you're supposed to listen to it i think you need to take no. a moment put a brew on so they, that's the only thing you're doing for the evening is you're going to listen to metropolis part two and just yeah, pretty to it much from the back yeah
0: look if i'm being honest um i have never really sat down and read the plot to this yeah um you know, before before we started recording this episode, mm. I've been quite content to kind of have a vague idea of some some bullshit about somebody called Victoria, and it probably <laughs> makes sense somehow. Yeah. Um, and and I think that's a perfectly legitimate way to listen to this. Yeah. But the the difference is that the liner notes actually tell you whose voice bits are being sung in. Yeah,
2: yeah, and, and I, I think so, that context uh, would have been nice. Maybe if, if I go back to it for another time.
0: To to address this now and not save it till the end of the album. One of the things that makes it very confusing to understand what was going on is that James LeBrie is doing multiple parts of Victoria and Nicholas yeah. and the um, and the 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 Miracle and the Sleeper who will hmm. come in later, all at the same time. Now this also happens in a Dream Theater album called The Astonishing. Are you okay. familiar with The Astonishing? I can't say I am. Right, I'm going to Google. I'm just going to read the Wikipedia description. Okay. Because this is going to blow your mind. This is how ridiculous they have gotten. Okay, Okay, so Dream Theater... the released The Astonishing, which is the album before Distance Over Time. Mm-hmm. So, Dream Theater is the band's second concept album, with a story conceived by John Petrucci, music written by Petrucci, and Jordan Rudess. It is set in a dystopian future, United States, and follows the Ravenskill rebel militia in their efforts to defy the great northern empire of the Americas using the magical power of music. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, that's um, so prog.
0: I love it. <laughs> well, they, this, is, this is a double album. It's oh, 130 oh, minutes long. Um, and... Uh, so it's got two acts um, where the the Great Northern Empire of the Americas are using noise machines instead of humans. Uh, the empire is ruled by Emperor Nefarious, <laughs> Empress Arabelle, oh, Crown Prince of Darius. The there, there, yeah, Emperor. No, it's Nefarious with a Y. Nefarious I see. Y oh, there we go. Now. That's so fine. Different. Um, and Jess and I went to see this live in okay. London where they performed just the entirety of The Astonishing. <laughs> it was one of the weirdest things <laughs> I've ever seen. One of the weirdest gigs ever. Like it was really fun. Yeah. one of the weir- uh, Yeah, so it's been described as an honest-to-God rock opera. <laughs> and and you've got James Lebri doing the voices of, like, Nefarious and the main character Gabriel and all the stuff. Mm. And he's trying to do different vocal accents, which right. is obviously incredibly difficult. Yeah. It doesn't quite work. <laughs> the biggest problem with... The astonishing is that it's not no, astonishing. It? <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it is. It is. It is certainly astonishing, but not in a good way. Um, the problem with it is, it's it's two hours. It's like two hours long, or something. Mm, and yeah. it's, and I can only tell you one good song of it, which is "Moment of Betrayal," mm. and it just sort of glazes over you. It's really, really difficult to enjoy. Yeah, and and that's where I think. This gets it right because the songs are individually enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I just can't like, like the the astonishing has five minute long tracks which are all numax instrumentals from these noise machines making weird noises. Oh god, that it, sounds it it intense. It truly is bizarre. Mm. Somebody plays bagpipes. It's <laughs> it's it's really like it's it's too much. Yeah, it's too much. And thank and, and thank fuck they uh, went on to the distance over time.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it's um yeah truly truly bizarre mm. I'll, I'll i'll try and get into it another time but you, you can go off the deep end with these things yeah, yeah so yeah. um i think one of the most confusing things about metropolis part two is that james the doing multiple vocal parts
2: yeah yeah I, I couldn't i couldn't um lock into different characters that, for, for, yeah. for yeah. so i don't
0: i don't think you could really listen to this and understand what's going on it's too it's too hard so yeah i wouldn't expect anyone to do that um and it only really makes sense to me now Laying out the whole thing, but the liner notes do explain it, and yeah, I think yeah. also whenever they perform this live, either the the album liners or some kind of programs explain some of the the key bits in it. That's pretty cool. Anyway, anyway, on to the next track, "Beyond This Life." <laughs> So Nicholas begins to uncover the details of Victoria's death by looking into the murder. Mm. And reports from the crime have been revealed by a witness who stated that her boyfriend had killed her after he had learned about an affair, and then in regret, the boyfriend had turned to Gun on himself. But Nicholas doubts that the witness's accusations are valid and continues to search for deeper meaning through the visions he keeps seeing. Thanks, G Dog Centaur. So this sort of opens up with a headline Murder. Young girl killed. Desperate shooting at Echoes Hill. Dreadful ending. Killer died evidently suicide apparently they wrote news headlines in rhyme <laughs>
2: yeah it's a good skill if you can have it right <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like um, it's like those people that write the sun headlines like i would appreciate the word play even if i don't appreciate the cause for the yeah. words have been drawn.
2: oh god um but yeah this starts with a really cool thrashy riff on this one um yeah it, it was nice to see a little bit more variety in the guitar work um but unfortunately, those stupid keyboard <laughs> sounds come back, and it's kind of hard... Yeah, I think this unfortunately kind of spoiled this song for me a little bit. There's a great solo around 3.10. Uh, pace picks up around 3.30. Uh, gets very dreamy and floaty around 5 minutes. a thrashy sound sort of comes back around 6 minutes. We get keyboard solo at 6.20. Bluesy kind of guitar solo around 7.20. Solos continue until around 10 minutes. More hideous keyboard sounds. <laughs> it's Right, so this one, I've got to say, I think is a little bit long in the tooth. And yeah. despite the fact that I have just listed lots of different parts and all these different things going on, I feel like it still didn't do enough to justify being 11 minutes long. It's It's basically a thrashy part and then also a nice dreamy floaty part but then to load a solos with it. That's kind of the structure of this one. And I feel like, unfortunately, I wasn't engaged for all of it, I'm afraid. And, yeah, it gets beyond absurd sometimes with the keyboard sounds. (laughs) So, yeah, it was a difficult thing to push through, unfortunately, on this one. This was probably one of the first times I thought, okay, maybe this is a little bit too much for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. So this is probably... At least at the beginning, it's probably the heaviest track on the album. Yeah, the, the stuff of stuff sounds great, don't yeah. you? Yeah. And you get, um, I quite like the, the beginning section of that sort of, it's like a call and response. Mm. We get the sort of stripped back, just the drumming and the wow, 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 wow. And then you get this big, when it comes back in with the drums. Yeah. And especially the um, the Crush 40 moment at 350. James is like,
1: oh
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's good. Um, and then
0: um, about four minutes, it really ramps up in intensity and it gets into quite a comfortable, heavy groove. Yeah. And as you say, there's this, You've got the sort of, uh, where is it? Yeah, it's the Our Deeds Have Travelled Far. What We Have Been Is What We Are. This sort of comes quite back a lot, the the, the floaty part. Yeah. And um, and that's the whole, it's kind of regressing back and forth as he figures out what's going on. There's a massive prog rock jam at the end of this, and mm. this is where you can hear so many different prog bands in it. Yeah, There's yeah. quite a bit of... Like yes in there, I think in the mm-hmm, keyboards, mm-hmm, especially yes. that slightly organ twinge keyboard sound. You get a bit of yes, quite a bit of rush in there. One of the bluesy riffs that very yep. Led Zeppelin. Yeah, yeah,
2: and, I oh, I can totally hear that. Yeah,
0: and, and it's got a bit of it's got a bit of everything. Nick, like, mm. it is quite a long song even by their standards yeah i think it's got just about enough progression and variation but i could have done with less of the floaty bits yeah i think great, great. i think the return to the floaty bit especially at the end of the song is it makes it a little bit too long yeah yeah but I, but i guess um this is where i wanted to compare it this is the, the follow-up from Gajira last time and i said i don't think that these songs have enough movement and actual progression yeah. to get you to the end of them, mm-hmm. and and this to me is not not this track in particular, yeah. but you know we talk a little bit of fatal tragedy. We'll talk a bit about it on home. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to do a song, that's about ten or eleven minutes long. It has to change things up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I feel like this this to me is. This is how you do it, and that's where I find the Gajera stuff. It's like this could have been condensed by a couple of minutes. This could have we could have left something in the cutting room
2: floor. Interesting. kind of Interesting. just repeating ourselves. Yeah. It's it, funny that we've come okay. at that again, different angles. You're like, oh, yeah. this yeah. there's more than enough here to keep you entertained. But I think for me, it was a little bit long in the tooth. So. No, I
0: think I think this is um, this is this is both a track. I thought you would really enjoy the heavy bits, but I also thought that it's I'll, I also think it probably is too long. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's probably the track. Oh, that, fair, enough, fair enough. Probably one of the tracks that, that drags the most on the album. Yep. Um yep. not that I would skip it because it's obviously central to the plot.
2: Absolutely, um, absolutely. It's not it's not a skipper by that. any means, but I just haven't. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I felt like it, it. was yeah, like it just dragged personally for me. It was it was a little bit too much um, song and not enough ideas, unfortunately.
0: So then we get on to through her eyes, or as I have written in my notes, the Pink Floyd track.
3: She never really had a chance on that fateful moonlit night. Sacrificed without a fight. A victim of a circumstance. Now that I've become aware. And I've exposed this tragedy. A sadness grows inside of me. It all seems so unfair.
2: Yeah, so... This starts with a kind of new agey sound, doesn't it, with a sort of female vocal accompaniment. I thought at some point Leanne Rhymes was going to go, How can I, I live, live without, without yeah, you? <laughs> um,
1: um, you're
0: going to get a good fun uh, sinking those audio clips together.
1: Um, <laughs> How can I breathe? Um,
0: so, so this one, um, Nicholas learns that Victoria was completely innocent and he starts to empathize with her and he realizes that the images are not going to stop haunting him until he solves the the real mystery behind the fatal tragedy Mm. so he says you know um, I'm learning all about my life by looking through her eyes
2: yeah Um, and unfortunately
0: quite cheesy yeah Um, he goes to the the churchyard he reads this uh, just beyond the churchyard gates where the grass is overgrown I saw the writing on her stone I felt like I would suffocate in loving memory (laughs) of our child so innocent eyes open wide I felt so empty as I cried, like oh. part of me had died. So sad. Which, in a so sense, sad. it had. <laughs> it was part of him because he'd been reincarnated,
2: right? That's all yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I thought this track was a bit boring. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It is. It, the instrumentation kind of picks up around a minute in, but the drums are so naff. It's like an R and B song or something. Um, Really strange. Uh, but the melody on this one is mainly drawn from an acoustic guitar melody and the piano as well. Um, so yeah, it 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 wasn't like full electric, you know, metal band experience when the main when the instrumentation picks up. It's it's very much a more sort of stripped down kind of. R and B track. It's very strange. I didn't think, expect this to come up into Dream Theater album. Yeah. So yeah, I was like, oh, okay, I don't know if I really wanted that. Thanks. But um, Dream
0: Theater have a bit of a guilty pleasure with ballads. Yeah, which is why you got. Um, that's why you got Another Day on there. Mm. They pretty much always do a ballad, and that's one of the problems with dramatic turn of events. It's got like some absolute amazing shredders on it. Yeah, it's yeah, got like, Three or four incredibly long ballads on it. Yeah. Um, and i don't think it's their strongest suit
2: no i i I agree completely um i mean which is strange because we we talked about another day and i quite liked it because it was quite cheesy and like fun and but it's more condensed right like whereas this is yep we've got like one idea really and it's just like a bit dull unfortunately so yeah Yeah.
0: and it feels like it's there just to to fill in the story but perhaps um not the strongest musically
2: yeah which is a shame Speaking of the strongest musically, though. (laughs) Yeah, speaking of the strongest musically, we can move on to the
0: next track, which is called um, Home. So home um, is about Nicholas returning to Victoria's home yep. or his home to unlock the true reason why Victoria is dead. And this is where um, a lot of this is actually not from Nicholas's perspective. It's from the the sleeper um, who is the he was the wayward man in um, in the in the earlier story and also in the first part of Metropolis. And basically uh, the sleeper is a guy called Julian uh, and Victoria leaves him due to his cocaine addiction. That's why he says, lines take me higher. Very subtle. Um, and hooks up with his brother, Edward, who is the the miracle in the story. So that's the, that's the sleeper and the miracle. Ah, there we go. The miracle and the sleeper. So that's what that's about. There you go. Might as well, might as well carry on with the Silly story yeah. So that's what home is about, and um, the intro to this sounds a lot like tools 46 and 2.
2: Yeah, I was totally hearing that. Yeah, absolutely. It's got that sort of Asiatic guitar sound to it. Um, yeah, no, really cool stuff. Um, it's
0: more the bass, it's the down, yeah. That bass
2: line is great. Um, I've, I've noticed that like, that sort of kicks in around one minute, uh, and then the instrumentation sort of like properly kicks off around 140. Um, Oh that riff that kicks off that big groovy riff is really good I like yeah, that a lot. The, the, wow wow
0: and it's like this is a really intricate song and it takes about four minutes to actually get to the chorus
2: yeah 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 <laughs> but like again, I was engaged, so like it's doing enough for me like i I was very much enjoying this um two thirty we get that really big stompy guitar riff as well, which really had my attention oh, it's really good um Some great dramatic vocal melodies in the chorus on this one. I I definitely highlighted this as a big, big chorus. I like that a lot. Um, Solo at five minutes, and it still carries on the sort of eastern sound that you get from the start of the song as well. I quite really like that, sort of like revisiting that idea. thought that was really cool. Uh, 840, song picks up with a belter of a keyboard solo. That leads into another guitar solo, so we do that back and forth. I thought this was fantastic i think this is a brilliant song
0: so this one um yeah it ends with three guitar solos back to back yep from nine minutes 22 so 8 41 for your um stitching purposes that's where the keyboard solo yep, comes yep, out yep. then you get three back-to-back guitar solos the first is quite <laughs> laid back for the yeah. second one is the classic Petrucci uh syncopated triplets and noodling yep and the third one is uh, Noodling and Shredding and it's absolute magic. Um, yeah. dad, it's I, I think I was walking the dog yesterday <laughs> listening to it and I was like, I'm going to rewind that. I'm going to rewind that. Rewind <laughs> then we go back to the chorus and while this song is structurally quite conventional, yeah, then you get about 20 time changes in the space of a minute which is basically just a warm-up for what's to come and it goes absolutely nuts at the end. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Um, so oh, here's your quiz. So, so here, So here's your quiz, Lewis. Go on. Now, this song has a connection with the Sega game. Oh. This song has a really obscure sample that is used in a Sega game. Oh, shit. And, ah, okay, so I have the sample okay. for you. I'm, okay. going, I'm going to play the sample for you now. Okay. It is from the Hollywood Edge Sound Effects and It's called Dealer Calls Out Dice Throws. Let us, hopefully you'll be able to hear this.
3: Nine a winner. Pay the front line. Take the don'ts. He's coming out again for a new point. Four fours to point. Mark four. Who wants the hard four five wants four ace do scraps wants four
2: oh god it yeah i know it
0: all right what's your answer it's just at radio future Well, <laughs> let's find out
3: i win a winner pay the front line take the don'ts he's coming out again for a new boy get your bets down ladies and gentlemen
0: so this song does indeed use the same sample as Hideki Nagamine's Funky Dealer <laughs> <the real> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh, I was going to say um,
2: as well actually. Um, so one of the only other times I'm familiar with Dream Theater through something else is um, John Petrucci did the theme song for a Sega Saturn pinball game called Digital Pinball Necronomicon. <laughs> oh,
0: my God. Is it a good theme tune?
2: Yeah. I was like, okay, there, there is, again, one of these things where it's like somehow this band is coming to my sphere through a Sega connection. Um, But yeah, just wanted to mention that. This might be some further listening. For the the listeners, go and check out the Necronomicon theme from Digital Pimble.
0: You have no idea how long I spent on the internet trying to figure out what the actual thing was connected to Funky Dealer. And I was so excited, and I found it on (laughs) whosampled.com. Excellent. And it's only been sampled by Funky Dealer, Home, and some song called 5 Juice 4 Tray by somebody called Backbone which is some kind of hip hop song okay interesting <laughs> so um, but I'm so glad you got that yeah. I thought it was going to be perhaps a little bit too obscure but it nope. sampled too good but yeah you will hear that you will hear that in the middle of home there we um, go yeah uh,
2: what, a, what a great song it is awesome what a great song. really really good stuff I enjoyed that a lot so um, next up we've got The Dance of Eternity context for
0: this one yes the context of this one is that edward julian's brother seduces victoria okay and so the dance of eternity is um it is it's kind of it's about um her sort of emotional swirl as she as she thinks about the two guys and um and it's a bit when she has sex which is the the ragtime uh, uh piano playing oh god um at least so. that's what people have theorized so the intro to this actually echoes metropolis part one okay that's where the that's where the opening lick comes from. It's a somewhat innocuous build up, and then there's a six minutes of instrumental prog metal insanity.
3: Yeah,
2: um, I the main takeaway I had from this one was I kind of found it a bit annoying. <laughs> um, so yeah, like you say, you got that weird video gamey kind of keyboard riff at the start of this one. It's yep. really like bizarre and off kilter. This song it doesn't quite settle into a groove at any given point. It is just An onslaught of weird video game keyboard noises. Um, Technically proficient instrumentation from everyone, don't get me wrong, but oh god, it was really hard to get past the keyboard on this one. Just sound choices are just really irritating. Um, The one thing I liked in particular was the bass solo around 310. I think that's a really insane little solo. That's really cool. Um, But yeah, an entirely instrumental track, um, and unfortunately a little bit annoying for me.
0: So this is a bit of a dream theatre dividing line, because at this point people are like, This is genius, or this is just people wanking their instruments. Really. <laughs> um and I think it's borderline. So this song has one hundred and eight time signature changes. Bloody and hell. I sent Lewis a video of Mike Portnoy going through the time signature changes and he said said that you know playing it live still gives him nightmares. And you said something like, I just wonder if it was all worth it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I feel that way. Um, <laughs> it's still now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, that, I mean, yeah. look, right, it's, there is nothing more impressive than watching a musician master their fucking uh, material and their instrument and just be on it, you know? Like, it is a fantastic thing to watch sometimes, right? But in isolation not on an album where you're just trying to settle into a ice groove and try and understand what a band are about, when you do things like this, it's just like, uh, that's like... I need music. I need hooks. I need songs, and unfortunately, all you're doing here is just like, look at how well I can play my instrument, and it's just it doesn't make for an interesting listen in isolation. I think if you saw it live, I think you'd zone in on like whatever instrument that you you favour. I'd probably be looking at a bass player and go, "Oh, this is just impressive! Like, how cool is that?" Yeah. But on on an album, I think it it's. Yeah, it's just a bit annoying, unfortunately. It's just this weird divergence into annoying. Look,
0: it, it, it's it's very it's very proggy. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I definitely agree with you that they the the keyboard sound is one that is like do, 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 do. it's like that's <laughs> that's a bit strange. Um I do think that I think it's actually quite good at, at Although there's a lot going on, I think it's quite good at building things up and then providing a bit of a cathartic release. Yeah. Especially the bit near the end, where the guitar kind of goes. That's a good kind of like, okay, we're there. Yeah. And and so I think it's dramatically interesting, but it's it's taxing to listen to, and it is six minutes long. Yes. 100 Hundred hundred eight time signature changes. Apparently. Absolutely. That's absolutely mad. It's uh, technically very impressive, um, but you probably only need to hear it once. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let me get on to one last time. One last time, Nicholas continues to search for the clues that will lead him to solve Victoria's death. He is suspicious of Edward and the affair, and he returns back to his house, and he finally remembers what happened. He remembers that Edward was the true killer, and that he had set up the crime scene and posed as a witness to cover himself.
2: Mm. Well, there we go. So um, this one is a slower-paced song with a sort of piano-led intro, uh, vocals kicking in around 30 seconds. Um, I noted that One Last Time is also the same title as a hymn song from Razorblade romance and it also reminded me quite a lot of him because it's got that sort of gothy forlorn sort of moody rock yeah. song quality to yeah. it um and another incredible guitar solo around two minutes i very much enjoyed one last time it reminded me a lot of um what was it uh, another day um sort yeah. of another sort of um y kind of track but again it had that sort of goth rock hymn quality to it so i was like i'm on board <laughs> so yeah, <very> much <laughs> yeah enjoyed no, this.
0: A, i think it's good and it, it, it's a nice break after dance of eternity yeah, yeah this is quite, it's quite quite short by dream the theater standards and fairly harmless but geez, there's quite a lot of ballad tracks in this yeah yeah Yeah, no, <laughs> but um, i think i think this one's um this one's good and it does um you know have have good um canon value with the whole one last time that that'll
2: that, that'll we'll come back to that later yeah yeah Cool stuff. Um, uh, we'll yeah, move on. Short, because, short and sweet. Yeah, yeah, short yeah, and sweet. Um, next up, we have "The Spirit Carries On."
3: Take
2: Give me the spiel. What are we going on
0: with this one? Okay. So, Spirit carries on as, uh Nicholas is under hypnosis once again, and he reiterates his belief that his soul will transcend, that he need not fear death. He now believes Edward was involved in the murder, and he plans to expose the truth behind it, but Victoria appears to Nicholas and tells Nicholas to move on. At this point, he feels at peace. as He feels he's appeased Victoria and his own obsession. And the ultimate message is that death is not the end, but only a transition. So he says, uh, if I die tomorrow, I'll be all right, because I believe after we're gone, the spirit carries on. And Victoria says, move on, be brave, and weep at my grave, because I'm no longer here. But please never let your memory of me disappear. So there you go. Mm. And he says he's, he's safe in the light that surrounds him. He knows Victoria's real. He feels at peace. He's perfectly clear.
2: He knows what it all means. Yeah, and I think that's echoed so, very well through the music, actually. It's quite a hopeful sounding, sort of soft rock, soft rock sort of cheesy song, this one. Yeah. But I think what with it being another ballad after a ballad, um, I was I came away feeling like that was that was fine, but it was nothing special because at least one last time had the the benefit of coming off something that sounded massively different in comparison. Whereas this kind of continues that sort of piano-led vocals like accompaniment with it, instrumentation sort of picks up around one thirty, but it's only really drums and acoustic guitar that gets added to the mix. There's not an awful lot of electric guitar in this. Um, But yeah, there's a great solo around four minutes, so there is at least some use of electric guitar. But then the real silly overt, like, oh, okay, this is a prog band. I forgot about that. (laughs) A bloody choir at four minutes 30. Yeah.
0: So I'll probably take a bit of flack from Dream Theater fans for this, but I just think it's one ballad too many. Yeah, agreed. I do really like the guitar solo. It's very good. Yep, yep. Um, and and it's it's definitely a fan favorite solo for yeah. sure. I think it's a, it's, and it's very different because it shows that you know John's not just a shredder. No, no. Um, I, I think he's know, a fantastic he's, 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 guitarist he's, across this. He's period. fantastic, like at, 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 at emotional solos. Yeah. I even have my. I even have my. I was trying to do a top five John Petrucci solos for this episode and, and really struggled I'll, I'll do that i'll do that at the end people <laughs> can, can fight it out but um i tend to like his his noodley shreddy ones but this is a really nice one too yeah 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 i just feel like it's uh, too it's a bit too much and it comes right after one last time and at this point we are quite late into the album yeah so yeah. you know we're starting to get a bit get a bit tired here yeah um, i like I, I could, so not, it's, it's
2: a fine song but i wouldn't say it was anything special let's put it that way so yeah
0: um, but 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 it is over, and you don't have to listen to any more ballads yeah. because we are finally
2: free. Yeah, finally free.
0: are once again surrounded by a brilliant white light <laughs> allow the light to lead you away from your past and into this lifetime as the light dissipates you will slowly fade back into consciousness remembering all you've learned when i tell you to open your eyes you'll return to the present feeling peaceful and refreshed open your eyes nicholas
2: yeah right okay so this is the thing i wanted to mention actually um so obviously we get the the only we only get the narrator at the very start and then a little bit in the middle which i didn't pick up on right um, mm-hmm. At the end here, this is the first time I heard—I I overtly heard the character named Nicholas. So I was a bit like, "Is he calling me Nicholas?" Imagine if your name was actually Nicholas and you heard this for the first time—it would fucking <laughs> you were like, "Whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was—it was kind of strange. Um, I didn't because, like I say, I hadn't really picked up on characters and things throughout the record. It was very much I was zoning in on the narrator when there were spoken words more yeah. than I was the actual song vocals. Um, so yeah. Um, interesting track, this. A big old album closer, 12-minute uh, long. It's it's quite an intense thing. Uh, it doesn't really pick up full band instrumentation until around 2.50 as well, so it's quite a long introduction as well. Um, yeah. Quite a delicate song with lots of piano melodies. Um, fourth, <laughs> this is like... Um, there's this like a battle scene almost at 4:30 with like that really overused yep. yep. public domain female scream. <laughs> yeah. You didn't yeah. um, scream you exactly. Know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it becomes more of an overblown sort of stadium rock piece. Mm-hmm. That, like as, yeah. it, as it progresses at 5:30, we get sort of really overindulgence guitar solo to really set things off. 7:30, um, I get. A lovely groovy riff shows up as well. Um, yeah, I, I came away from this one feeling like it was fine. Uh, it was fairly dramatic and overblown, but I, I just didn't feel like it did enough in its 12 minutes for me.
0: So I think I think this is a really nice coda to the album, and I really like that it returns the existing ideas, the way the overture precedes them.
2: Yeah, but yeah. It
0: adds this new spin on them, and that makes, and this is what we talked about at the beginning, it makes it more of a like cohesive holistic piece of work than a bunch of vaguely related songs and a theme and it's but it's an interesting finish because it's quite laid back and luxurious i could imagine this being the closing credits like a sonic adventure game or something yeah yeah no totally <laughs> totally it's got like we've, again we've we've returned the emeralds we're finally free
2: yeah we've got that sort of hopeful sound as well from like the spirit yeah. carries on in this one as well yeah totally
0: and and the solo at five thirty is just smooth smooth as caramel oh isn't it's it just... uh um and so this reveals the twist ending of the story of Victoria and Nicholas. So what happens is they the, the comedic fight, what happens is you get you find out that actually, um so what happens is Victoria has seen this guy Julian, he's a coke addict. She cheats on him with his brother. Mm-hmm. Then she has the, the realization, um, in a dance of eternity that I actually no, she's um she's meant to be with Julian, so she says, um, so basically what happens is that uh, Edward finds out that they're, that they're both still getting fired into the same woman. Yeah. And he says, "Sole survivor and a witness to the crime, I must act fast to cover up. I think that there's still time. He'd seem hopeless and lost with this note. They'll buy into the words that I wrote. This feeling inside me, finally found my love. I finally broke free, no longer torn into. I take my own life before losing you. And so it gets into the idea that, oh, actually... Um, You know, Nicholas thought he was free, but actually he he didn't quite realize what had really happened because the hypnotist has awakened him before he knows what's really happened. So Victoria then says, I'm feeling good this Friday afternoon. I ran into Julie and said, we'd get together soon. Um, I finally found my lover. I finally broke free. He'd kill his brother if he only knew, but he did know. And then Edward says, open your eyes, Victoria. So what this reveals is that, yeah, in a past life, Nicholas was Victoria, but it also reveals that the hypnotist is the reincarnation of Edward. Oh, okay. He right, says, right, right. open your eyes. There we go. So then they do the one last time bit again, mm-hmm. and it's clear that one last time is actually um, not about them breaking up with each other. It's about them being dead. Right, right, right. This is all like, like it doesn't really matter. I just feel like I'm halfway through the, the page. Yeah, here, yeah, well yeah. We, we might it. as well have um, the so then what happens is uh, the, the narrator sort of says, you know, they've they've died and, and a familiar voice comes through and we go back from the past to the present. And then and the spirit carries on, right? So Nicholas says, you know, I finally found my life. I'm free. I've learned about my life by living through you. Um, so he's repeating the words from Victoria. So it's not, you know, it's different ideas, the same chorus. Yep. And then there's a weird CNN news report, which is apparently about the death of JFK Jr. Yeah, of course. Was, yeah, I forgot about that bit at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that is apparently what it's about. Mm-hmm. It's a bit weird. Yeah. I'm um, not <laughs> yes. sure what's going on. So there's this big, long, um, quite long, heavy, moody outro that goes on around the seven to eight minute mark. And that's actually just a drum solo in disguise. Okay. Because the drums are clattering and smashing around and soloing and filling and trilling <laughs> the whole way near the end. It's quite well hidden, but it's, it's good. Mm. But then what happens is Nicholas goes home. And then he puts on a nice little record and pours himself a drink. Yep, yep. And then the therapist appears in his house and says, open your eyes, Nicholas. And he goes, "Ah!" (laughs) So the final twist, the hypnotist has followed Nicholas home and killed him and that the the cycle has gone on. Ah, And the spirit has carried on and it's all repeated itself. And then if you, um, that static uh, goes straight into the next album and the track, The Glass Prison.
2: Oh, okay. So they actually have a direct Because there's a
0: meta-album cycle mm, in Dream Theater. There's a continuous stream of albums where each album starts with the same note or sound as a previous album. Ah. So scenes from memory, the last note from it gets into Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence. The last track of the grand finale to Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence, which is like an incredibly long... Six of interturbulence turbulence is nuts. Yeah. Um, it gets into the first tr- note of As I Am and Train of Thought. Mm-hmm. The last note of Train of Thought goes to Rid of All Evil and Octavarium. And Octavarium repeats on itself. Right, okay. Because um, Octavarium is like a cyclic album. Right, okay. Where the the last track of Octavarium includes bits from all the previous songs uh, and it loops nice. back on itself. Yep. Yeah, yeah. um, so Portnoy said basically they dug a hole, where they were expected to do it every time. So he ended Octavarium with the same note as the intro because that completed the cycle and meant they could stop doing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, so that is the the ending of that. Like I, I like finally free. I think it's quite a nice upbeat end to it. It's like it's got a cheesy and credits feel to it. Yeah. Um, uh I think I think it's I think it's a nice finish.
2: No, no, absolutely. Um I, I I thought it was fine like um I just felt like it, it didn't do enough in its 12 minutes and
0: Yep. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that was that was my main takeaway from that one. It was like it, it, it it's a fine song it's. I'm not I'm not overtly for or against it. It was just very much a case of like yeah, that, I, you know, I took that in, and it didn't feel like inoffen—you know, it didn't feel offensive to my ears or anything like that. It was just a case of like, okay, cool, you know, it's Dream Theater—that's what I expect from them. Um, but yeah, I just yeah. I just felt like for twelve minutes, I, I would have expected a little bit more, you know, musicianship maybe. And there's an awful lot of like just stuff on this one, unfortunately. Like the the intro yeah. takes forever to I mean, get
0: the, in. The is quite long. Yeah, yeah the real song itself kind of. Kind of over about the seven minute mark, yeah, really. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so final thoughts. So you are finally free. Yeah, final it, end, it, seems from um, memory. it seems like seems like we'll be we'll be coming back to record another episode. That's personally very reassuring. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. <laughs> so um, what's your what's your overall thoughts?
2: So yeah, it's a like I say, it's a, it's a strange record to assess as individual songs because. Um, it's it's not a song record at all. It's uh it's 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 an album. You're supposed to listen to it front and back. It tells a story. Um, it has movements and scenes, and it's it's trying to take you on a journey, right? So, I feel unfortunately I have done it a bit of a disservice by listening to it this way, by making notes and taking breaks, and just sort of you know playing it at my own pace instead of the way it wanted to be listened to, essentially, right? So,
0: so you didn't go through it, you didn't sit down in a darkened room with your favourite beverage and go front to back through unfortunately
2: it. Unfortunately not, no. I had to take some breaks, mm-hmm. especially because I think I also did the playlist pretty much in its entirety prior to listening to the album as well. So it was a lot of wow, a lot okay. of music in one hit. Um That's I just yeah, theater. it was a lot of dream theatre for one day unfortunately. Um but I feel like the additional context uh, has helped me appreciate it a little bit better. I think I'd definitely like to revisit it but I feel it is an album of maybe like four songs I liked and it's a 12 track record which shows that like there's quite a lot of it I was also not quite vibing with but that might have been a case of the uh context of the way I listened to it and especially after so much you know prior Dream Theater listening to to as well you know you've given me such a nice broad spectrum of different styles and bits of their career prior yeah. that was a bit like oh I would have liked a little bit more of the fat groovy like modern production but I, I didn't yeah. have that for this it was I had to sort of settle into its vibe a little bit better and I think never quite got comfortable with it but I would say the best songs on the album by a country mile are Fatal Tragedy um, I think uh, Home is fantastic. I think uh, One Last Time is brilliant and um, what else did I note? Oh Strange Déjà vu, Strange Déjà vu also also very good. So those are those are the ones I picked out. Um, what do you think my favourite is? Home. Home. And I also think Home is yours. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's it's the it's, it's the, the, it's the, the correct, correct pick. Yes. Yeah, that's correct, answer. Um yeah, that is an absolute barn burner of a prog song um, yeah really really good stuff
0: so my my final thoughts before before we do further listening mm. so my final thoughts are i think the story is a bit crap and it doesn't work because the breeze singing from different perspectives it's not clear who's who yeah that makes it quite confusing yeah but aside from that this album is fabulous and um Pretty much, I think, the at the beginning of the fat and groovy riff to Strange Deja Vu, I like, ah, oh, yeah, I remember why this is one of my favourite albums of all time. <laughs> and then, just before we recorded this, I went to the Cast Iron website and uh, swapped it into my top three. There we go. There we go. <laughs> so, uh, like it's easily, easily one of my, my favourite albums. Uh, look... It's definitely hit and miss, but I think the hits are so big that it gets me through it. And I just love the ambition of it and the fact that I've had a crack and told a story. So Mm. for me, it's kind of everything that's good about prog metal and and some of the excesses that definitely rub people off. I hear you on the... I think the production's okay. I hear you on the farty keyboards. Um, but, But yeah, I think it's... yeah. It's something I think it's something everyone who likes metal should get into yeah. like you should at least listen to you guys yeah. should at least give it a crack. I don't
2: feel like I've come away from this experience thinking oh I don't want to listen to any more dream theater. Like I've yeah. definitely come away thinking like okay here's a band that there is probably parts of their career that I will absolutely fucking go for whereas there's obviously parts in their earlier career where I'm just like maybe that's not for me. Um and this is like almost like that bridging point um, yep. So, yeah, I, de- I definitely want to explore a little bit more modern um, dream theatre, I think, from here on. Uh, um, I think
0: by my recommendation for you, which is not further listening for everyone else, is probably Train of Thought because it's definitely their, their heaviest album, but you will have to deal with um, some really, really cringeworthy rapping from James LaBrie <laughs> at times. Um, All right. So, top five John Petrucci solos. Oh, I have been, I don't know, I don't know. It's hard. (laughs) It's hard. But here's what I've written down and here's what I'm going to stick with for the purposes. So number five is uh, The Best of Times off Black Clouds and Silver Landings. Number four. uh, I'm not even... I would have done more prep and cut these out for you, but you know, these tracks are 10 minutes long. <laughs> number four is um, Behind the Veil off their self-titled album. Okay. Number three is Lost Not Forgotten off A Dramatic Turn of Events. Number two is Stream of Consciousness off Train of Thought, which is a the best Dream Theater instrumental track. Specifically, uh, it's about the three-minute mark, okay. Stream of Consciousness. Uh, number one is, of course, Under a Glass Moon from Images and Words, which, has a, a, which is... Um, very famous for um, lots of very, very technically fiddly triplet runs. Um, so that's that's the right answer. And the other four are totally subjective. So further listening. So, uh, so how do you follow up on this? Because I've got a whole, you know, I, I just went through my entire iTunes library. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs>
2: I, the way I did it was I went on to Last.fm and looked at the related mm-hmm. artists and saw, I okay. had a look for things that I recognized or stuff I had heard. Because unfortunately, the first two that came to mind, I've also previously done as further listening for other episodes. I think even I might have done them for Gojira. I was very much thinking about Between the Buried and Me and Tesseract a lot throughout this record. Um, But I'm like, I've done them. (laughs) Don't need to check them out again. We've done them. So I've I've settled with Backwater Park by Opeth, which is a prog metal masterpiece (laughs) Uh, i think (laughs) you have to listen to that (laughs) as as,
0: i think you can tell what i think of that one
2: (laughs) 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 But Um, stylistically uh, quite different to this unfortunately it's a lot darker in tone oh
0: yeah a a, a lot
2: of a heavier album as well it doesn't it doesn't go into the excesses that this has and it's not as hopeful sounding um so yeah that was why i was a little bit like All right, I'll pick it because at least I recognize
0: that band right. <laughs> Look, uh, behind the scenes of Cast Iron, I am really going to struggle on whether we do Still Life or Blackwater Park. Oh, really? Ooh. Really going to struggle. We'll probably end up doing Blackwater Park because you've done it further listening. <laughs> but, um But I love both those albums so much. Um, yeah, okay. 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 That's okay. uh, an excellent recommendation. Yeah. yeah.
2: And then the second one I chose was a periphery record. Um, I chose uh, Juggernaut, Alpha and Omega, um, Mm. because it has a lot of the similar sort of like leitmotif elements that they bring back into the songs as the album progresses. You know, the album ends with a leitmotif that they start with the start of the previous record. Um, It has a lot of those conceptual ideas that this one is going for as well. It is by far a groovier, down-tuned um, you know, genty record in comparison to this. Yeah. So it's quite, it's not as comparative, but it's definitely a progressive metal record. And I feel like that's why I wanted to bring that one to the table. And I don't think I've recommended Periphery yet on the, on, on, on the podcast. And they are one of my favorite bands. Oh, so I think I absolutely. Yeah. I like,
0: mean, very much, very much inspired by dream theater. Mm,
2: for sure. For sure. In um, fact, I think John Petrucci did a guest solo on a Periphery song. And I'm trying to remember which. Yeah, I believe he did. Is. Yeah. believe he did. So, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. But yeah, there so, was one other thing uh... I wanted to say as well, quickly. Oh, yeah. As I was looking on Last FM, I noticed that I'd listened to a Dream Theater song before, <laughs> and oh, it was okay. so far beyond what I would have thought I would have checked out. Can you guess? By any, <laughs> I mean I know it's a massive discography, right? But it's yep. it's not a band I particularly like, but it's a cover that Dream Theater did. <laughs> it's is in my Last FM play cover the dream
0: theater did um all right give me two minutes um, so no no let me let me like i i can't i can't dream theater do a lot of covers yeah. right uh, let me just have a little squiz <laughs> did you listen to their cover of funeral for a friend <laughs> love lies <laughs>
2: no it wasn't i'm afraid uh, um okay it was uh, um there <laughs> to tame a land cover from crying's Maiden heaven tribute <gasps> album
0: Jeez! oh that's on um it's on a bonus
2: disc as well for one of the uh, it is
0: on um it's on the bonus disc of black clouds and silver linings there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah which is some really interesting stuff like it's got a cover of um uh lark's tongues and aspic and stuff like that mm.
2: yeah so um Jeez, yeah is, even though i'm not a big maiden fan um yeah one of my yeah. um guilty pleasures is i love cover records <laughs> Um every time Kerrang compile a like covers album, um, I will buy those magazines because I absolutely adore hearing how bands like reinterpret like other bands' music. And there have been some some fantastic ones as of recent, but like um yeah, I've got that Made in Heaven one, but the Kerrang ones in particular that I absolutely love and if you've never heard them, they're called High Voltage. There's two high voltage collections and they're just and covering other bands and there's some really crazy stuff on there. There's like Bullet For Valentine doing Crazy Train and stuff like that. It's just like
0: <laughs> <That> <laughs> Fight <sounds> Star <laughs> doing like Breaking The Law.
2: <laughs> it's crazy stuff. Okay, that sounds interesting. <laughs> but yes, you're further listening.
0: Okay, so I have kind of picked three three albums and an EP. Oh, um, so the the album over the so if, No, no, I haven't gone over the top because <laughs> there's a the reason why I've picked three albums. Okay, so if you want a prog metal album that is a better example of how to do a story in an album, mm-hmm. then there's The Undisputed King of this, and that's Queen's Reich's Operation Mindcrime. Oh, okay. And the reason... Okay, so this is an awesome album, if you like. Um, if you like kind of that, you know, power metal stuff and classic new wave of British heavy metal, yep, that's yep. this with, with prog and... Um, Jeff Tate's a phenomenal singer. The reason that Mind Crime story works better is because it's all told from one point of view. And it immediately makes it like you actually you actually feel like you're being narrated to. I think it's much more successful in terms of telling a story like you'll you'll, you'll get what it's about yeah, yeah. um without having to go read the liner notes. So that's a good recommendation. Alright, so the next one is two albums. They're technically two albums, but essentially one thing, and that is by Haken. Uh, and the albums are Vector and the extremely unfortunately named Virus. Mm-hmm. So, um, Vector was pretty much my favorite album of the year when it came out in twenty eighteen. Okay, and um, really great standalone album. Really interesting if you if you if you like um, if you like Dream Theater. But think oh, the keyboards are a bit weird. This is very good keyboards. got a really good eighties feel to it. Right. Okay. Um, and and very and also very quite, like quite eighties drums. Mm-hmm. Um, really interesting sound. So I thought. That it was a standalone album. Oh, okay. And then in 2020, in the middle of the pandemic, they released Virus. Now, they did do a video on YouTube saying, we're really sorry. We know this is a terrible name. Like, this this has been planned for a while. Okay. And Virus is the companion, like the second part of the Vector story. Okay. And it somehow goes from being, this is a really good... You know, it like it went from being "Here's my favorite album of the year" to "Wow, this is something transcendent now. <laughs> this is incredible that they've managed to do two albums back to back." Yeah, and it makes so so much sense. So it's, I think, in terms of Haken albums, the the mountain is is usually there. You know, it's probably one of the best prog metal albums right up there with Dream Theater's best. Yeah. But to me, the Vector Virus combo is just phenomenal that they've actually managed to do that in a way where they they exist on their own, but they also tell one coherent narrative. It's incredible. Mm. All right. The last one, I can't actually pronounce the name of this band. Okay. There is a Vietnamese prog metal band, and they're called something like Hack San. um, That's how you would spell it. Okay. And they have an EP. It's called Hong Trong Mao Mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, And it's Vietnamese Dream Theater. It is one song. It is 30 minutes long, (laughs) and it is absolutely beautiful. It's got amazing melodies, get great vocals, prog metal done perfectly. Yeah. It will not matter that you cannot speak Vietnamese. <laughs> way that you can. Um, uh, this just blew me away. I think I, I think I came across it in the the Reddit prog metal forums. Oh, okay. It's really, really special. And um, if you if you look on um, YouTube for Haxan then you should be able to find it. There's a live performance of them doing the whole thing. It's really, really good. Mm. Really, 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 really impressive. So well, of that's so. kind of kind of kind of three recommendations. But it's like two and a half (laughs) Um, lovely stuff ah, so I think we've reached the end we have and um, as always if you enjoyed this episode there's two ways you can support the show first is leave us a review on Apple Podcasts uh, but the most important is to share Cast Iron with a friend or two and spread the love around you can find all the previous episodes on your favourite podcast app or on our website castironshow.co.uk now there is a caveat to that which is that some of the podcasts I listen to have said oh if you're on Apple Podcasts you might have issue getting new episodes Um, I can't remember if we covered this last time, but if you're having trouble getting episodes of Cast Iron, I don't really know how you're listening to this right now, Um, (laughs) but if you're having trouble getting episodes, um, try something else like Overcast or um, many of the other reputable podcast players like Castro or something like that. Um, So if you're having issues with Apple Podcasts, it's on them. It's not on us. I've checked all the RSS. I swear swear it's not us.
2: All good stuff but yeah thank you very much for introducing me to dream theater i'm definitely going to come away from this with uh uh an intrigue and i i definitely want to explore their catalog a little bit further um, but well, yes, thank
0: you, thank you for giving it a good college try. No, I, you I know. It, I mean, we've been doing this for a long time now, but sometimes it's not. It's it's not easy. No, to absolutely. to open yourself up with one of your favorite bands. and go, Oh, what if Lewis really hates us? I'm going to feel like a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, um, no,
2: no, no. And look, so I'm, I, I, I'm, I've definitely been intrigued by this band for a very, very long time, and you know, I, I needed someone to at least guide me through it because. God where do you start when you've got a discography that wide and you know there's so many changes in membership and it's just like oh god it's it's an impenetrable thing so it's it's nice to have someone who is a fan to help me to to guide me at least um, and while start, I off with
0: your, start off with your friends mixtape yeah, which exactly. is published on my um, Apple Music profile the excellent the, stuff. that'll pull me under I'm not afraid yeah. so if you two are not afraid you can find that on my Apple Music
2: lovely stuff but yes thank you very much for taking me through this I had a really good time and I will definitely be exploring Dream theatre further and as always thank you very much for listening uh, we have been Lewis and Alan uh, this has been Cast Iron we'll see you next time catch you later Then remember after we're gone Spirit carries
0: on.